All right, Motown Rundown. It is August 20th, 1.43 p.m. kickoff for us here. Just moments away from the Tigers trying not to get swept by the White Sox. Um, but we're here. We got a show to do. This might be the most excited I've been to talk about Detroit sports since I started growing hair on my chest. Uh, Trent Bailey, Ryan Collins, uh, good to see your faces. How are you guys feeling? How are we doing? I'm I'm good. I mean, I we, we still can't see Collins' face, which is a little bit of a travesty. It's not his fault, but you do, yeah, I, maybe I got it a, is his fault. I got a new computer yesterday. I just haven't broke it in yet. Okay. All right. So nice. so we'll so we will see you on the new computer maybe next week, maybe. Yes. Possibly. But yes, I'm I'm doing well. Actually, I was telling Rabs Collins, I, I have a very good night ahead. I cannot wait. Jay-Z Whoa. drops a song tonight, LeBron plays, and LeBron's gonna win. And oh, 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 the Pistons draft lottery, which we will get to. I got a couple buddies well, coming over. It's just going to be a fun time. It's going to be a fun night. It'd be even better if the Tigers played at like seven, but one of their rare day games today. So, oh, I love the day games. You don't like day games, Trent? No, I do. But I'm just saying it would add to the to the night, the funness of the night if the Tigers were playing as well. But, I'll tell you, Trent. It's it. It could be a fun night, or it could be like me shattering glass outside true. my house because. Very true. If the Pistons move down in this draft, I'll be so sad. And, and like, the Red Wings, like, the wins you kind of expected them to get, I mean, they have a high pit regardless. Like, they do. Like, it stinks that they're not getting Lafreniere and all that. But, like, I, w- I was expecting first pit or bust, and that was disappointing. If the Pistons, like, the NBA lottery is so, like, weird now. Yeah, they, like, is. end up at, like, eight. I, I like, I, I, I don't know what I'll do. Like, I actually don't know what I'll do. Because they're gonna be so bad next year, and this draft stinks. Yeah. So just be in the top five. Just hold your spot. Yep. Agree. We'll get into that later. But you know. Sorry. No, no, Teaser. you're good. I, I agree. Teaser. I want to I want to cut it loose later. Ravs, how are you? I'm hanging in. I'm hanging in. I uh, I just I rearranged my room. That was a big thing that I did this week. Changed up the feng shui a bit. What are you? Well, how's it being back at home? You know, it's not bad. I love my family. I do. There are times where I'm like, God, I got to get out of here. But it's nice. My mom this morning, God bless her, I was I was shivering under my blanket. She came in through another blanket on me. You don't get that wow. kind of treatment when you're living on your own. So that was wow. huge. I needed that. That is, that, was good. that is so bad. Dude, I'll tell you what. Here's like my – as I'm starting to transform into like my adult self now, I love the grill. I'm on the grill every night. I work at like really? a pro. I'm like Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I, what have you been grilling? Chicken kebabs last night. I do a great marinade with some Worcestershire. I think I said that right. Worcestershire sauce. Good try, but uh, yeah, I, <laughs> not, yeah, yeah. Ryan, can you, advise, can you advise on the pronunciation of that word? I, I'm not the right guy for the yeah, answers, no. but, uh, <laughs> but uh, we got steak kebabs tonight, hamburgers, hot dogs, whatever you want, dude. I'm, that's all I have now. I have the grill, and I have golf and Tigers baseball. That's what I got. Are you hitting them? Dude, I, I'll tell you what, man. My my driver in three wood came in. I got my new wedges. I'm feeling great. I'm waiting for my irons to come in. Ping, if you're listening, it's been like three months. I'd like the irons. But I just I just I love golf again, Collins. That's all I can say. I just love golf again. I'm having I'm I shot a seventy two on Monday. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm happy for you. I not to Brad, but I'm gonna Brad. I shot a seventy two. It's pretty good. Happy for you. Don't you? Aren't you guys? Aren't you guys going back to school soon? What's the deal here? You guys got your backpacks picked out and you got your folders and binders or what? Well, we I'm don't have. 
the, can we talk about Michigan State? Like, not yes, we can. Yeah, I I, I actually kind of want to rant about this, and I'm Go probably gonna it. do this a little, little bit later on the Green and White Report too. When we do that later this week, shameless plug. But I am so sick and tired of these people attacking all these college kids for like going out and partying and stuff like that because these people would do the same thing. They would. They would. All these people like, oh, it's so selfish. Oh, like, why don't they just stay home from school? Well, people have leases, too. I, I, you feel like you have a four-year window. And for a lot of these people, like myself, you look forward to a lot of memories your senior year. And then you get there and it's like, hey, you can't do anything. Just sit in your house that you're paying, overpaying to live in a shoebox. And I, I got to hear people because people are outside gathering with like 20 people, like roasting them. Yeah, it's not that we shouldn't be doing that. And I'm not saying I'm doing that. But, like, have, like, have some, like, not empathy because it's not, like, the biggest deal in the world. It just really bugs me when these people come out and, like, high and mighty acting like they wouldn't do this. And they're not doing it right now. That is, like, my biggest thing on Twitter right now. Oh, I saw all these people, like, uh, not wearing masks and stuff like that. I'm like, hey, buddy, I saw you traveling, like, three weeks in a row. You're just on planes left and right. I don't think that's good for the coronavirus either. So yeah. relax on that. So I, I, I hate coronavirus shaming. I just really do. Well, we're at the point, too, where it's just we're sick of it. Like, everyone, all anyone does now is, like, blame and point the finger and talk about it. And, like, I don't know. Shut it down. It's not getting any better. And it's – Just shut it down if you're – like, if we're really going to do this, just shut it down again. Like, I'm so sick and tired of, yeah. like, the in-between. Like, I am. I well, really shit, am. They may as well. Like, if it's all like, classes are online and we're not allowed to meet in person for literally anything, by the way, looks like we're not going to be back in the studio for a while, which, Ever. you know what, not our fault, not Impact's fault. I get it, but it's just – it's really frustrating. It doesn't really make any sense. but I That, mean. to me, is more of a that's, – that's of more importance to me than being an in-person class. I can learn remotely. I have no problem with it. Yes, it's a pain in the ass sometimes to hop on Zoom calls at 10 a.m. instead of, like, getting yourself up and taking a shower and getting ready for the day. Like, the vibe is definitely different. But I would so much rather be in the studio with you guys, you know, even if we have plastic dividers and have to separate our mics out six feet apart, whatever. That part to me is just – that's frustrating, and it's sad to me that we don't get to do that. That's what I'm upset about. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, no sugarcoating it. I mean – just hope we have a somewhat of a normal spring semester. Like uh, I, I said this last week, like there's a lot bigger fish to fry, like in our country and stuff like that. Like yes. we're really like us complaining about it is like selfish. And I know it is, but let me be selfish for a little bit. I've been looking forward to this for a long time and I'm not really going to get the same experience. I was uh, that I expected. I, I'm so, I, I think the last like week and a half I've started to like, I've been in denial the last like three months about this whole thing. This week I've been getting like angry and I know it's like, it's stupid. Like, and I know I sound selfish and privileged, which I, I don't am. Think so. I don't like, think you like, are. I, I, but it's just, I just can't take the, like these people having no understanding. Like, yeah, this might be easier for you to stay inside. Like I, I again, I, I don't know how to phrase this. It just, it, it, I just get upset by the coronavirus shaming. Like it, everything's not perfect right now. We know this. Like, just can we relax and just be like, Hey guys, it's all like figured out. Instead of being like, Oh, these kids are so selfish because they're hanging out with other people. 
I'm looking at you, Syracuse. I saw that statement today, and I almost punched my punched my computer. Fair enough. Don't let I him. Feel, in, don't I let him into bad. school. Don't let him into school. Don't let him into school. If you're like so concerned with an outbreak happening with the students, just don't let him. Which is fine. That's why I kind of respect what MSU did. You know what? I will say this before we move on, or if anyone else has something to add. Sorry, I went off I, the rails. There. No, no, no. You're you're good. You're go good. Off, I'm, go I'm, off, gonna stay, I'm gonna stay off the rails for a second here because I think that college freshmen and college seniors have been most affected by this in terms of like our age group and like people you know from like ten years I, old I, to thirty. Rabs. And Rabs. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, Rabs, obviously, your senior year was affected. Collins' senior year is now affected, as there is no football season in the, in the fall, at least. It, so, it's, and I have – you know, I, I'm fortunate enough. I got two brothers. One's a freshman. One's a senior at CMU. And they're both not – like, Miles right now is worried that he's not even – he's going to have to move out of his dorm. He moved in Friday. He's going to have to move out, like, a week later. You know, that sucks. That does suck. I, I would agree with that. But I think college freshmen, I think it sucked last year as a high school senior. Like, that really yeah, does yeah, suck. Yeah, and as a college, college senior, I don't think it is as bad until you get into, like, oh, the job world. Like, I, I, I want to start working. Guess what? That's not happening. And that's probably not going to happen for me. Like, um, like there's going to be a long delay for a lot of college, like, graduates from actually working at the job that they had lined up or something. Like, I've had two internships canceled. It is what it is. Uh, you don't see me complaining about it, but I'm just saying, like, people just need to get off their high horse, these 35-year-old journalists that is shaming all these kids for just trying – like, I understand. If you're having a party with, like, 150 people, I get it. Like, that's, like, reckless. I would not – like, you'd be an idiot to go to something like that. But when people – like, 20 people are outside in East Lansing – but like just trying to have a good time and like drinking yeah. a little bit, like relax. Fine. Like th there's bigger fish to fry. So, stop shaming these people. Sorry. Agree. Agree one thousand percent. And at no, the same time, apologize. yeah. And at the same time, stop being woe is me. Like oh, all these people, these people affected. This is why our country is in this position because some people weren't wearing masks. I think that like not eighty five percent of our country has been trying like diligently to socially distance and like do well. It's just a loud minority that people like act like it is happening. Like who, uh, oh my God, sorry. I, I was like really rattled about this this week. I had to get it off my chest. I'm glad Colin, you, you have every right to feel the way you do. Every it's right just, to feel the way you do. Like it's everyone's fault. It's not just like one side. I, it's, oh God, sorry. It's okay. Yeah, political. I'm the green and white reporter. <laughs> I mean, no, Motown Rundown. I don't even know what show I'm on right now. I'm so <laughs> mad. So oh, hey, mad. this is – I have a, a tad bit of, of positive news. I also need some answers from Ryan Collin because he didn't respond to any of my texts in the last week. Uh, I don't know if you follow us on Twitter, at Motown underscore Rundown. How are you? Out of nowhere, I'm going about <laughs> – I'm on the golf course. Out of nowhere. And you have to understand, Collins, this kid that I'm about to mention, like back when I was a Michigan fan, again, I used to also like eat Play-Doh as a kid too, so we all grew up with a <laughs> disclaimer. But back when I was a Michigan fan, this kid was like the ultimate, being a Michigan hockey fan, out of nowhere. I don't know what day this was. I'm on the golf course. He Jacob Truba. To me, yeah, dude. He was unreal at U of M. Him? Yes, unreal at U of M, dude. 
Jacob Truba. Don't know if you heard of him. Uh, NHL or New York Rangers, probably pulling about $6 million a year. Not a big deal. Former uh, Michigan Wolverine. Out of nowhere, he tweets at the Motown Rundown. <laughs> like, hey, great show. Love the work you guys are doing. Great Detroit sports podcast. First time, long time, even though he's never interacted with us, like, in person or over Zoom or whatever. Yeah. Unreal, dude. How, like, and I knew as, I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, what the hell? But then I was like, what did Collins pull here? Like, Collins is probably I, a couple, I, like, Natty Lights deep with, with Truba's younger brother. And I was like, hey, do me a favor. Give me the phone. I got to call your brother. What happened? Uh, well, I mean, no. He was just in town this week. And he he likes to – he just likes to get on me. And he likes <laughs> to get on everyone. He's just like, ah, they're hockey yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. So, I – I don't know if he did it in like just a, like a sort of a chirp at me, but I'll take it. I'll take all the press. Yeah, dude. That's why I was like, hey, my he could initial... yeah, exactly. like it, it could be a joke to him. Hey, guess what? We probably got like thirty-five new listeners. Yeah, no, because <laughs> my my, my knee-jerk reaction was like, oh, these guys are probably hanging out, and he's probably just grilling Collins about it. Like, oh yeah, Motown rundown, sick Collins, go check it out. But he, dude, hey. There is no bad – there's no such thing as no bad, bad No bad publicity. All publicity is like good I publicity. Said, being, like a, being like a complete fanboy, like when, when I was a Michigan fan watching Michigan hockey growing up, like not that this kid is that much older than us, but he was like the guy. Like he was the guy at U of M, similar to how Larkin was the guy at U of M. And then he goes on to the show, and now he's playing in New York. And, again, he's got a pretty nice paycheck coming his way. How are you? That was huge. That's like, the, that's like the biggest thing that ever happened to us. And now that was his tweet <laughs> – his tweet got like 50, 60 something likes and a bunch of retweets. And then, of course, re, re, wow, we retweeted it. And then people were like, well, look at these guys. Check it out. I posted it everywhere. I was like, Snapchat. It was on my Snapchat. Like, check <laughs> us out. Not a big deal. That's huge. So thank you to Jacob Truba and the Truba family, friend of the pod. I will say this. This is the only thing that I have to contribute to this conversation. I was not a huge hockey guy, as you guys know. But I instantly went to NHLshop.com and tried to buy a jersey. I, could yeah, have I was yeah, so fired up. Yeah. I was like, this dude, I'm going to like this dude for the rest of his career. Like, that's I, my yeah, guy. Dude, I remember yeah. very, uh, very embarrassing tidbit here. But I remember back in oh, the day, I, I, uh, I sent a friend request to Jacob Truba on Facebook. Oh, no. Just thinking, like, oh, my we live, God, in, we live in, like, the same area. Because, dude, I was like, that was awesome. I found him on Facebook. I'm like, we live in the same area. You might accept it. We are friends on Facebook. Not a big deal. Not a, not a big deal. He's got no idea who I am, dude. No clue. But no I appreciate shot. it. So thank you, Jacob Truba. We are now – we could be famous. We got some New York listeners now. Thanks for tuning in, guys. <laughs> um, all right. Let's get back to the sports here. Um, first thing we want to talk about – obviously, we have a lot to do today. We got some Tiger stuff to cover. And as I said at the beginning of the show, this might be the most excited I have been about Detroit sports since I hit puberty, which was not all that long ago, actually. Um. But I digress. First thing on the slate today for us, as Trent mentioned earlier, NBA draft lottery tonight. That's at 8.30 p.m. as we are recording this. Again, it is Thursday, August 20th. Um, there's a 10.5% chance the Pistons get number one. I know, obviously, we'll probably have more to talk about this and dissect after the lottery ends. I got a couple questions for you guys. Because to me, I'm very, like, eh about this draft, as Colin said, too. Not a very strong draft. So my first question to you guys is, like, number one, and I'll, I'll make it a two-parter. One, do you even care if they get number one? And two, yeah. what are your thoughts on, like, trading the pick? Because I, like, I don't even know who would you would like, – Trading the pick? 
Do you think I see, dude? I've been seeing, I've been seeing articles dude. about Blake and a number, Blake and the number one pick over to like new, like the Knicks for Randall, and I, I just want to hear your the thoughts. worst trade I've ever heard. Listen, okay, listen, we'll, we'll talk about it. The talk, <laughs> the, talk about, the talk about trading the pick is simply just this: if the Pistons do get the number one pick, you can then blackmail someone into taking Blake's contract, which obviously Ooh. kickstarts your rebuild. That's what that was. I saw that article too, Rabs. It was, yes. you know, you send Blake and that first rounder over to the Knicks. The Knicks send their first rounder, Julius Randle, uh, Frank Nielakina, and like one other player, something like that. So it's like, it's kind of just like getting rid of Blake. You still get a top 10 pick or whatever the Knicks are going to pick at, top eight pick. So it's whatever, dude. I, it's not something that's out of the question. The Pistons probably aren't going to get the first pick. There's a chance. Um, there's a 42% chance they end up in the top four. That's what I'm hoping for. Obviously, the most likely outcome is the Pistons get seventh overall. Uh, there's a 26.74% chance that that happens. But I don't, I don't know. I, if you've got any more questions, you can get into that. Otherwise, I'll just give my quick spiel. Collins, what is, what is, your, uh, what is your answer for, for my questions that you seem to think were absolutely blasphemous? I just my, – my, the only reason why I ask is I don't – I don't see anyone that goes at number one as being like this game breaker, like future Hall of Fame player. That's the only reason why I ask. I understand that, but it's one of those things where you're in the top five, you're gonna get a guy with really high ceiling, and it could work. It, 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 I'm not saying he's gonna be like Zion. Like Zion is can't miss. Zion and John Morant last year are almost as can't miss as prospects as you can get. Like you know, immediately off the bat, you're like these guys are gonna be really good. And if they stay healthy, there's a chance they'll be like six or seven time all stars. That's like bit like you know that when you draft guys like that. It is not that type of draft. You are right about that. But at the same time, they they haven't been in this position in a very, very long time where they have an actual opportunity to get in the top three, top four, or top five. Like they haven't. So they have an opportunity to draft a guy with the ceiling of someone who could become a cornerstone piece in your franchise is massive. And, and you can't trade that away, obviously. And they need to get a guard. They just flat out need to get a guard. And that's the majority of the people at the top of the draft. If you like LaMelo, if you like Anthony Edwards, if you like the guy from France, I, his name's escaping me. But, like, if you like those guys, like, they're, they're there. They'll probably be there. One of those guys will be there if they're able to get into the top four. So I, I do think it's an, it's obviously the most important draft for the Stefanski Weaver like thing going on. Is Stefanski still on with the team, Trent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who the little regime they got going there in the front office? I think Troy Weaver's first draft. It, it, it's huge. So I, I'm pumped up personally. I hope we get Lamelo for more than just basketball reasons, even though I do think he has the highest ceilings out of any of the guards in the draft. Yep. So I, I, I'm excited, and I don't think you can tra trade this pick. And Blake's contract's almost untradeable. You don't really have any assets to trade other than Christian Wood, maybe in a sign-and-trade. And even, like, what, what type of package are you getting for the first pick? Like you said, Rabs, people aren't that high on the first pick. So you're not going to get the package you really look for. So – it's important they get a good spot tonight, but more importantly, it's like just pick a good guard. Pick the right guard out of the three or four that are at the top of the draft. Sorry. No, you're, you're exactly right. Everything, everything you Sorry. said about 
<laughs> Everything Sorry, you said about LaMelo, I agree with. I mean, LaMelo, I almost just said Carmelo. LaMelo Ball is a 6'8 point guard. So, obviously, like, that's tailor-made for this NBA today. I mean, because, you know, LeBron James 6'8 basically is a point guard. Kawhi takes the – you get what I'm saying. He's got, yeah. like, smaller point guards. It's, like, the thing now. And he also is a great shooter. So, um, aside from that, Dwayne Casey said earlier this week that the Pistons will probably just take the best available player no matter where they're at. Um, and ideally, if they take James Wiseman, I'll try. Well, I'll get to that in a second. I wouldn't be excited about it either, but I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world. Um, but ideally, the Pistons end up with a point guard. I'm all in on Lamelo. I already said that. But you know, you guys have mentioned it's not a strat, it's not a stacked draft like like last year's was or, or three years ago. But there are two trades of thought there with that. You can either say screw it and just draft based on needs, since there isn't really like one can't-miss player, three can't-miss players. Or you can go the other route and just take the best available player no matter what since, you know, you don't really know. There's a lot of question marks. I don't know. It's going to depend where the Pistons end up, obviously. That's why I don't get into all the prospect stuff until after I find out where the Pistons are actually going to pick because, I don't know, to the Wiseman thing, Collins, I just think, you know, initially I, I, I hate the idea of picking another center or another big man, period. Because your your two you know most prominent big men in the last two years, one of them is getting way overpaid to get hurt every year, and the other one you just you know did all this work to get out of Andre Drummond, shipped him to Cleveland for used goods and basically nothing, second round picks, whatever. John Henson, people forget. John, John Henson and Thon Maker. But if you if you pick if you pick a, another big man, it's kind of like you're counteracting what you just did, like getting rid of Andre, you're bringing in another big man, trying to, like, build around him. The difference, I think, is that Wiseman is a little taller. He plays different. He's not, like, too old school. Andre Drummond just plays in the wrong era. That's what it comes down to. He's the best the best rebounder in the world. But that just doesn't matter. Like, the Rockets – the Houston Rockets get out-rebounded by 20 every game and still win. So, it just – that to me, yeah, Collins, I'm with you. Like, ideally, I wouldn't want Wiseman. But even then, it's like I'd rather have Wiseman than some of these – I don't want to say no names, you know, the small forwards from France or whatever. I, I just a point guard. Did someone look up his name? I feel like we're doing a disservice. Yeah, I, I don't know much about these prospects. He's training with Will Bynum. You didn't see that? I thought you'd I be know, all I, over that. I do love that. I know you do. But uh, just I don't think we need to get into the, all the draft stuff right now because we don't know the position yeah. they're at. But I just, it's just important they get a guard. I just really think it's important to get a guard. I don't really care who it is. Yes. Just it's it's a guard-driven league, and they haven't had good guards since. Like, I mean, Derrick Rose is pretty good this year. Reggie Jackson had like a couple of years being fine, but since Chauncey's left, they haven't had a good backcourt really. So, I'm yeah, looking forward to it, Chauncey, and I, I I hope they get a good pick. Since Chauncey got massacred in a trade, and you know maybe one of the worst trades in Detroit sports history. But yeah. whatever. That is not it's cool. Part. We had AI, right? Yeah, I mean that's cool. It's cool those jerseys. <laughs> T Mac. Don't forget, T Mac was a piston too. He was so it, bad. Everyone we just mentioned wore the number one, which is pretty crazy. Reggie hey. Jackson, Reggie Jackson, Chauncey, T Mac, and AI—they all wore number one. Trey Tracy McGrady was so bad on the Pistons. Horrible. So he was bad. like he was like out of shape. Bad. He was like, like forty-five. Yeah. <laughs> Another publicity stunt from your Detroit Pistons. Yeah, out of way, Dumars. All right, well, Pistons, obviously, we'll look at that. The draft lottery tonight at 830, as we said. Uh, we'll get more into that after we see what the pick is. 
Now we get to move on to the Tigers, boys. And I'll tell you what, I am very excited to talk about maybe not so much the team, but obviously the, uh, the big buzz coming into this week was three names that we've been looking at for it seems like forever. Casey Mize, Tarek, Scooball. Is it Tariq? Tariq? Tarek? Who knows? And Isak. Isak Paredes, which I still don't actually believe his name is pronounced Isak, but it is. Um, all I want to do here, look, we'll take a step back. Tigers are at 9-13 and 13 right now as we speak. They sit at fourth in the AL Central. Losers of their last eight games. Ryan Collins is, is heavy on the Tigers when it comes to the gambling hand. I hate to throw you under the bus, Collins, but I'm sure you'll catch a break one of these days. No comment from Collins. All right, God knows what he's doing. <laughs> I thought that was the Collins' perfect time to chime in there. Uh, either way, whatever. This is uh, here's here's what I will preface Tigers talk by saying. I want to shout out my dad, Al. When the Tigers were whatever, they were nine and five. As we said, they've lost their last eight games. When the Tigers were nine and eight, I remember my dad saying to me, "You better enjoy this game tonight because you will not see this team go above five hundred the rest of the year." And I took a second to think about it, and I didn't want to be the glass, the glass half-empty guy. But I was like, you know what, Dad, you're absolutely right. And now we sit here at 9-13. and 13, And I know we talked about this a bit last week as far as now you're starting to play some real competition. I'm just telling you guys right now, I'm going to watch every game. I love watching the Tigers, and I love when they bring these young guys up. I love that we get the chance to do that now versus just watching – you know, Jordy Mercer, who is now a Yankee, play at shortstop every day. I appreciate that. But this team, we'll call it how it is, at least in my eyes, they're not going to get back to 500. I don't know as far as the math works of what you're going to have to do to weasel into the playoffs. I truly don't care to watch them into the playoffs. They're, they're not a deep team. As the games have gone on and you see them play tougher competition – your bullpen's not as great as you thought. They've still been pretty good, but you saw Greg Soto's been lit up the last two times that he's he's been in the game. So you're starting to see the holes become more and more prevalent in this team. So I don't don't get excited about you know us coming on here in two weeks and going all of a sudden the Tigers are five games over 500. It's not going to happen, but we still get to talk about it. There's still exciting things to talk about. Um, I guess we can take a step back to the Cleveland series. They do go to Cleveland to play tomorrow, which would be Friday, to play the Indians again. Um, but before they played the White Sox, they were, of course, playing the Indians. How has this team lost to Cleveland 20 straight times? And whatever the number is, like that to me, I, I, I can't even – I can't even – like baseball is such a game to where you're bound to sneak a game here and there. That is just like unacceptable. I, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. It's simply incredible. It's there's no other words to say. It is just it's mesmerizing. It's like they have to beat them. Like they, like you're just like to yourself. You're like they have to, right? And they just like the, don't. Like the Royals beat the Tigers every now and then. Like teams should be able to beat each other. I just don't. I don't get it. It doesn't. It's such a bizarre like stat. They haven't won in like the last twenty games against them. Like, I mean, the Tigers one? like the last two years were terrible. Like the worst Correct. team in baseball like we've obviously we've made that clear but like this year like they're not bad like and we already talked about like hey, oh they can make like a playoff run and then you basically you've seen how the starting pitching is this not good enough for like that all that excitement's kind of out the window but they're still not horrible like they have some players like they've picked up some good big league players like scope and romine 
So, I, I mean, to lose 20 straight and then get swept last weekend, it's incredible. It's one of those things you're like, I, I, I told you guys before this, I've been betting on the Tigers during this whole seven-game losing streak. And it's just one of those things, like, they have to win. And it started with the Indians. I'm like, they can't lose 20 in a row. That just doesn't happen. They might lose the rest of the season the way it's going at, the way, I, I mean, I'm mushing them. But I, it's, it, it, it's simply, I mean, it's exciting. I mean, we t- like you said, with the three guys we've been hearing about for a while, if we want to jump into that right now, like – Watching Mize was can't miss TV last night. Like it, it was must watch. Yeah, he looks fantastic. He looks really good. And like I, I'll let you guys. I'm not really the guy to ask when it comes to like pitching mechanics, that kind of thing. The splitter was gross. You can just definitely yeah. tell he's got some good stuff, and he's definitely going to be a good player. Like there's no way he's not. Scooble is a little bit of a different story. Obviously, didn't have a he very hums good- it though. No, no, he, he, and, and I've, got, I've got a little tidbit on him that we'll, I, I can get into after we talk about Mize. But I just think, you know, Casey Mize, he, he had a real chance at a win there. He, he probably should have gotten a win. You know, Scooble really didn't. But at least, you know, I, I mean, we haven't talked about the Tigers since they went under. But, you know, the thing is, I think the Tigers have just kind of punted on the season since we last talked. I want to I wanna say that, like, <clears throat> excuse me, in a negative way. But C.J. Crone got hurt and, you know, it, essentially season-ending – and, and, you know, that was a, that was a big uh, – he was a big part of your success, really, early on, if you look at his, his power hitting numbers and stuff like that. And then bringing up – by bringing up the three names, granted, I would rather get those three guys up here and watch them a little bit than, than sneak into the playoffs and get swept. But now maybe if you would have asked me that before the season started, I would have said something different. But after seeing this team and the makeup of this team and Austin Romine catching every day and Cam Maben playing in the outfield every day, like I would just rather see – the young guys come in and get some reps that have then be a bad, bad, bad playoff team. So like, it, I just think the Tigers have kind of given up on, you know, the 60 game sprint thing. They're going to utilize the season for what we originally want. All three of us originally wanted them to do, which was get young guys reps. If you went along the way, great. Obviously no one's going to, no one's going to be upset, but you know, what you see now is this team, it, it, they, they kind of have shown their true colors as you guys alluded to. You're playing better teams now, and they're not winning. Uh, you know, losing 21 straight to the Cleveland Indians. By the way, I visited my buddy in Ohio. He lives about 15 minutes outside of Cleveland. Big, big Indians fans. His dad says to me, "Hey, weren't the Tigers doing pretty good this year until they played us?" And I was like, "Yes, yes, we were yeah, actually they weren't playing real teams." The yeah, yeah. Teams. So that that's 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 how it, that's how it goes. That's all I got on that. Um, you guys want to talk about Casey Mize? There's, there's, well, so the way I want to do, the way I kind of wanted to attack this, because I said we got three guys to talk about it, I, I kind of want to back up and, and go Monday through Wednesday, if we don't mind, just real quickly. Okay. There's, a couple, there's a couple points that I want to get your guys' opinion on. So Monday, obviously, 7-2 loss to the White Sox. Uh, Matthew Boyd, another tough outing, and the whole story on the Tigers pregame was – He's starting to figure it out, whatever. To his credit, he ended the game with nine strikeouts, four hits, three earned runs, two walks. But I think back-to-back homers to lead off the game. Um, So I do want to talk about him. But this was the debut of Isak Paredes. He makes his debut at third base, one for four with a two-run double, which was awesome to see. So, you know, before we move into Scooball on Tuesday and Mize on Wednesday – Matthew Boyd, to me, I'm not going to keep sitting here and saying that last year was the year to trade him because it it seems like 
you know, I think Colin said like that was obvious to everyone. Well, clearly it wasn't because the asking price was so high on this guy, which was so unnecessary because he's literally had one year of really, really good baseball and the Tigers just couldn't get it done. And now you're sitting here and I don't know who wants to take this guy at the trade deadline. I don't know how many more years of control you have over Boyd. It can't be many more, but I'm going to tell you right now, there's too many guys in this system that deserve a chance to pitch that both of your young guys you just saw Tuesday, Wednesday have pitched better in their starts than, than Boyd has all season. So I'm kind of at the end of the line with Matthew Boyd as far as I'm concerned. He doesn't have the stuff that he did last year. He doesn't work as quickly. He, he, he seems he's so unconfident with the pitches that he throws. He's just praying. You watch the guy pitch. He's just praying that his breaking balls don't catch a part of the plate. So nothing gets close. He's not making anyone miss like he did last year. So for me, I'm done with that. I'd love to hear you guys chime in. But as far as Paredes goes, look, I have a whole section when we're done talking about these three games of my, my gripes with Ron Gardenhire and what this team is doing. Um, <laughs> I, I do. I, I have a whole section that I think that we're going we're gonna to have some good conversation about. You know, Paredes looks fine at third. He he clearly is not as athletic or has the range that Candelario does, which when we get going on Jamer Candelario, boy, do I have I have some words to speak here. But I the, the, the best thing for me about Paredes is I love the way he looks at the plate. He's only had one hit in the series. He's not in the lineup today, which makes absolutely no sense to me why he's not playing in this fourth game today. But look, the guy looks like he's got a he's got a really quick bat. He covers the plate really well, and he's got a major league swing. He's a big dude too, and you see his numbers in minor league ball. The guy can hit, and that's the one thing that I kept reading about him is he's got. He, it doesn't matter how fast you're throwing the ball at him, he's going to get his bat on it. So it's looked fine. I'm not going to throw the towel in on the guy because he's only got one hit after three games. Um, but as far as Boyd and Paredes, the two storylines in 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 that first game on Monday, I'm curious as to what you guys have to say. Well, Boyd, the thing with Boyd, like we've talked, he, he, honestly, I don't think you like Demodum or anything, but he can't start his next start. It's a, you've got to give him like a week or something off. Like if you really want to keep him in a rotation or keep him with the big club, because he's straight out, he's losing you games right now. Like he goes out on the mound and they're losing, right? Every game you're, you're losing every game going into your first at bat. It's asinine. Yeah, it, like it's pretty hard to even justify him being in a rotation right now. And I know the rotation isn't great, and they don't really have big plans this year to win anything, so they're sticking with him, seeing if he can try and like find his stuff. I get that, whatever. But I, he's just – you can't like – you can't let him go five innings either when he's getting roughed up and he kind he kind of gets out of the jam for a couple innings. I like gets a little fortunate with some hard hit balls hit directly at some guys. And then you put him out there in the fifth inning and he gets in a jam and he lets up a two run, a three run double. Like some, like that happens almost, I, I mean, you just can't do it. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think he's part of the future and I, I don't think that's a hot take, but looking at Paredes moving on to that, I mean, he's fine. I don't think he's anything special. I really don't, uh, and I know it's a small sample size. I, I just, like I, I think he could be a decent player. I'm not gonna like act like he needs to be in the lineup every day. I don't necessarily think that, 
should probably play every two out of three games. But there's other young guys in this lineup who've gotten the chance. And I think they have given the young guys the opportunity to play. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I, unless you're about to go back in your Grayson Griner bit, Rabs. Like, no, I won't. I, I promise. He can't hit. I feel bad. He's so bad. He's so bad. I'm sorry. And Romine's been catcher. good. What? He's a good defensive catcher, but yeah, I hear you. He can't hit. But, I mean, I think they have given the young guys their shot. And they're, and I think bringing up Scooble, Mize, and Paredes right now is basically – I don't think it's giving up on the season, but it's format. It's basically like, hey, we're just going to, like, let the young guys play and see what happens. What, what we've said we've kind of wanted them to do. Like, I want them to be competitive because I want to be able to watch baseball later into the season. But I, I think that's what the Tigers and what direction they're going in. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, I, I guess, yeah, I should rephrase this because, Collins, you just nailed it. It's not like the Lions – or the Lions. It's not like the Tigers are punting on the season because they're not throwing bad lineups out there, out there just for the sake of, like, we want to lose. They're putting young lineups out there who aren't necessarily great. And if you win along the way, that is a bonus. But they're not. And that's fine because the young guys are playing. So as far as, like, all that goes, I won't get into that because you guys already did. But I will say this, and Rabs, this is probably a little preface to your little spiel on Guardy here. Yep. I think especially with CJ Crone out for the year. We didn't really talk about that. Probably should talk about that. Well, I mean, it is what it is. I don't – yeah, I don't really know. what. what That's you, a big loss. That's a big it loss. It is. It's huge. Yeah, but, like, dude, it, whatever. Yeah, but what? Whatever. It's 250. He's probably going to hit you 20 home runs. And, I watched I mean, him, I watched him was, strike out 12 out of 13 at-bats against the Reds, too, so it's okay. I, I understand that, but like, that's still a piece. He's, he single-handedly won the Tigers. He did. You're right. It is a big loss. Correct. But go ahead, Trent. Keep going. I know. All I understand was he was playing first base every day. And now what okay. you have is you have Miggy, who's DHing. You have Nico Goodrum, who can play first and should be playing first. I don't see the point putting Candy there because Candy deserves the play third. Put Isak Paredes at short. Because you don't got good room there if he's at first. And then I just don't get it. Because like you said, Rams, we were talking off the air before we started. You also got Spencer Torkelson coming up who plays go figure first and third. So I just don't really understand. Now you, we, we, we've talked for so many years about how we want these young guys. We want prospects. We want to see substance. Now you have it. And it's like you don't even know what to do with them, where to put them. It's frustrating as hell because it's like, okay, Crone got hurt. To me, to me, just uh, – and, and, again, what do I know? I'm not Ron Gardenhire. I think it's very simple. You, you, you put Miggy at DH, you leave him there, you slide Nico Goodrum, Goodrum to first, and to appease Miguel Cabrera, you throw Miggy at first once every seven games, once a series, what have you, I don't care, and you let Goodrum DH. Paredes, if you want him to play more, you put him up the middle, and then at third you put Candelario because Candelario has been fantastic defensively. He's starting to come around, uh, you know, with the bat a little bit. And this is really his last shot. We talked about him, Jacoby Jones, Kristen Stewart coming into this year. Like, it's, it's time for these guys to show something because if they don't, they're not going to get another chance next year. So that, that to me, that to me, I just – that would be my ideal lineup going forward. Uh, Ravs, I'll let you attack the outfield. And I, 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 I want to hear what Ravs' take on – Jamer Candelario is. Was that what it was, Rebs? Because well, you seem to so fire up about it. No, here's 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 my thing. And I guess, you know, I wanted to save this because I do I do want to talk about Tuesday and Wednesday Wednesday's game, but I will get into this. I don't I don't want to say that Ron Gardenhire is a poor manager because that to me I think is disingenuous. And I know the guy's had some some decent success. I do think he's the right guy to to be a leader for these young guys. 
what I what I don't understand with these lineups are again, CJ Crone's out for the year. You hate to see it. It's terrible. I know that Miggy is not some young, spry, jumping bean of a of a human being to play first base, but the guy is able and capable to play at first. Jamer Cond- you have put a lot of eggs in your basket of Jamer Condelario, and I appreciate the fact that he is at least in the lineup every day because he sh- he should be and he has to be. The guy is a third baseman. The, the, whatever the first game of this White Sox series was, Paredes didn't make a great throw to him. Castro didn't make a great throw to him. But Candelario has no experience at first base or has any business to be scooping balls and, and saving plays like first basemen get paid millions of dollars to do. That is your everyday third baseman. He has been exceptional on defense, and thank God he has figured out a way to hit because he's batting a little bit above 250 now, and I love it. There is no reason why he should be playing first base when you have a capable and able Miguel Cabrera who has told you for the last five years he wants to play first base. He's not going to hurt you by being at first base at first base for 10 to 20 games this year. Guardy refuses to play him there. You're playing Condelario out of his position for no reason. And I understand if you want to give Paredes reps at third base, by all means, he deserves it and he needs it. Castro, same thing. Jamer Condelario is your everyday third baseman. That's the guy that should play there. I, I'm sick of it, dude, because the other thing that you're doing with with making Miggy DH and, and not letting him play in the field, a guy like Christian Stewart, who is not a good fielder and has no business playing in the outfield for you, that's a guy that can get reps at DH. And if you, I can continue on my rant here unless you want to interject, Collins, and you have, you have some points that you want to make along the same lines. Because I, I don't know if you agree or disagree with my claim, but I got a heck of a list here of things that I'm really irritated with. Well, I, I get what you're saying because I think Darty's doing a lot of things to the lineup because they're just like the Tigers are – if they don't hit home runs, they're not scoring runs. Like it's, it's just point blank. They're not manufacturing runs in any other way than them going deep. But I get what you're saying with Candelario because he was their best defensive. Like I, I don't know what his numbers are and what his war is, but him defensively at third base this year, he was pretty sharp. He was really good. So I get the anger of not putting him out there at third base but at the same time, you have so much money invested in the Miguel Cabrera the next three years. You have to keep him healthy. And right. I, and he hasn't been healthy, Rabs. He hasn't. Well, I so don't, I don't I, need I, him playing 40 games. I'm not saying I need him at 40 games. I get games what you're saying. Play him every once, like play him once a series or play him like once every five days. I get that. And I get the fact that Candy probably shouldn't be the guy going over the first, having to bite that bullet. But like if you want to see Paredes, that's why they made that move. So Candelario is basically like, I'll play first base, but we can bring up Paredes. So I, I, he can't have like the, it's it's in I, it's not what you want to see, but if you want to see these young guys get a crack, and I think they are like you, Trent. I think you had said Cam May, like Cam Maven probably sh- is their third best outfielder, and I don't know what his reps are, but they're not like top four outfielder in the like the roster right now. Stewart he, was hurt. he was hurt for a bit too. Let me here. I have some things to say about the outfield because that's the, another another say, portion. Say it of, right now. Yeah, no, an, another another portion of of my gripe is Trent alluded to it earlier in a sense of I I totally agree with you, Collins. I I am 
I'm so happy that Guardy is letting these guys get in here. But I will also say a lot of that comes from one, you designated Jordy Mercer, which which you had to do, and he's now with the Yankees. Uh, Crone got injured, which, like, again, terrible, but that opens up another spot on your everyday lineup. Maven was hurt for a little bit there, and, of course, you know, they, they get him in every now and then, and they should. I like Cameron Maven, and I don't think Jonathan Scope has missed a game all year, which it is what it is. So, I, in my eyes, this is, this is not a team that is going to compete for a championship. I'm not a big fan of the stopgap veteran guys in the everyday lineup. I don't mind it on the pitching staff. I think Avon Nova, obviously, he's also hurt right now. I don't mind you bringing in a guy or two to be in your starting rotation or the bullpen because pitching is a lot different than hitting. Like, guys can come in and, and swing the bat, and it is what it is. But pitching, if you don't have – at least one or two solid starters that can put a stop to the bleeding every couple of days and pitch a competitive game for you, your season can be a mess. But my point being here is when you, I think the Tigers kind of shot themselves in the foot and granted they didn't know what the season was going to look like before they went out and got these guys. But when I look around the infield and you got Crone at first, or at least was at first, you got Scope at second, and you have Maven taking up a spot in the outfield. That, to me, is counterproductive for what you're trying to do. In the outfield, Jacoby, Romine too, but they don't really have a catcher that I guess is ready. But, again, I'd like to see Jake Rogers. And to your point, Collins, yes, I'm off the Grayson Grinder chain. Thank God. I'll get off that. But in the outfield for me, Jacoby Jones is your everyday center fielder right now. Awesome. Totally fine. I, I don't need to see, and I agree, Maven hasn't been in there every day. I don't need to see Jorge Bonifacio, dude. Like, come on. Reyes and Stewart should be playing every day in the outfield. And my no, other point to no, that. No, 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 no. Christian Stewart should be shipped off the Mars. That guy's so bad at baseball. Dude, they don't even give him a chance, man. Yeah, he, they he do. Play, he needs to play every day. Hold on. I'm get, I, I understand that Reyes and, and, and Stewart and even Bonifacio are below average fielding outfielders. They just Let's call it like it is. They are not good in the field. They don't have good corner outfielders. In my eyes, though, I don't need to see Jorge Bonifacio. Christian Stewart, that's another guy. Perfect example is if, if you want – if you let Mickey play first every now and then, you can hand Kristen Stewart the bat and go, listen, you're not going to be an outfielder for us because you simply can't do it. You better get your numbers above 225, 250 in the DH spot, or this is your last year with the team. Because I agree, that's a guy that I'm ready to give up on because they have guys like Daz Cameron and Riley Green that you're waiting for. But those guys should be getting reps every day. I got Travis Demerit rotting in Toledo because I got to watch Jorge Bonifacio go 0 for 3 and bobble two balls in the outfield last night. For what reason? What's the point? These guys, those are guys that need to play. I don't know why Paredes is not in the lineup today. I, I, and to, twice, so I can watch Nico Goodrum go 0 for 4 with two strikeouts and play shortstop like he's Derek Jeter? Come on, man. That guy's not a part of your future. I'm sick of them playing shortstop. They got so many guys they're trying to work into this lineup. As Trent said earlier, you look at third base, you got Candy, you got Paredes, you got Willie Castro. For some reason, you're trying to take a guy in Torkelson that spent his entire college career playing first, and now, like, that's your third baseman of the future? What are you doing? 
let Candelario play third. Figure it out. Like, I, I, you got Harold Castro in the outfield, too. These guys are begging to play, and I think Gardy's done a fine job of it. But you, you have Miggy at DH. Can you get Christian Stewart some swings there? I need to see the guy like, at least let the guy get some, get some reps in. You need to play a couple days in a row to, to formulate some kind of rhythm and hitting. You, you, don't, you don't get better as a hitter by taking batting practice off of Alan Trammell at, at Comerica Park at, at 10 o'clock in the morning. You get better by getting live at-bats. I agree with you, Collins. Christian Stewart is not a good outfielder. I don't think Victor Reyes is a very good outfielder. That's a problem that needs to be addressed, and hopefully Daz Cameron and Riley Green fill that void for you. But for the time being, Demerit, Reyes, Castro, Stewart, these are guys that need to get at-bats as much as they can. And when you throw, when you throw Maven in there every other day, when you throw Bonifacio in there every other day, when you got Scope playing every single day at second base, you can't. And Scope's been like your best player, so I get it. But it, it something's got to give. We gotta start. We gotta start letting guys play where they've earned a spot. Candy's batting over 250. He's great at third base. He should be there every day. I don't need to see Nico Grudem at shortstop every day and batting first. I don't need to see it. You got too many guys. You got Dewell Lugo sitting in Toledo who now can't get time because I gotta watch Goodrum go out there and strike out three times and play an average shortstop. Can't handle it. Why do you build some of these guys up, Rabs? Christian Stewart's like not good. Christian Stewart should not be getting at bats. He's Colin, play, he played. I, he played all last year. He played all last listen, year. Listen, I'm, I'm with. I'm he's, with. Colin he's bad. I'm he's with not Colin good. Blair. Christian Stewart, and tell me, I'll tell you right now. Christian Stewart was my guy going into last season, who I said I think he could have a breakout year. Didn't happen. Not happening this year. So I'm kind of. I'm kind of off Christian Stewart. But Rabs, the sentiment that I agree with you on is like. There's just no point to see Bonifacio or Cam Maven, like like you said. What you we said. We have too many guys, anything. and that's I agree. Saying. At I least the like, yeah, merit. You name you name drop the merit too. That's another guy. Like I'd rather see him than Stewart or Maven or Bonifacio. I don't know. Go ahead. I I, I dude, I agree with both of you guys that Christian Stewart. It's like brother. This is your last year, and I feel bad for him because he's been in the system for a while, and he's he's tried his best. He's a strikeout flyout guy. I, I don't know who the hell is, like, coaching this guy on hitting, but if you can get him to hit some line drives like Candy, I think it would change his life. But my, my point being is just that when you have so many guys, it, and it's, all, it's a blessing and a curse, right? I just named you all these guys that can play in the outfield, and I understand that, that you're, it's, a, it's a numbers game and you can't play every guy every day. But when you're giving Bonifacio reps all of a sudden out of nowhere – when you're letting Maven play, who, again, I think he's been played a fair amount. I love Maven. But Christian Stewart, at a certain point, if the guy's playing once every two, three days, it's hard to get into a rhythm. I'd like to see him DH for a couple games and say, dude, don't worry about fielding. Can you hit over 225 for us so we don't have to cut you in the middle of the season? That's all I'm asking. And I don't think Gardy's done a, a terrible job, but that's just what happens when you're so loyal to these veteran guys in Avila the last two, three years, I got to see four new guys come in, Mercer, Harrison, Crone, Scope. You're just, like, they're not going to win. These aren't guys that are going to put you over the edge. You can't tell me if this team was like, 
was like a, a game out of the playoffs last year and you go bring in Cronin Scope, that doesn't make you a championship team. That's not what you do when you go sign guys to fill your holes. You go throw money at real players that can help you win. They're, the, the, the Tigers are a terrible defensive team. They are so boring on offense because they can't get on base. They can't move runners. They can't string hits. And to me, when you're sitting at 9-13 and 13 right now and you're not going to be at 500 or over 500 again, you need to build some type of consistency. Condolario at third every day. Jacoby in center field every day. I'd like to see Paredes try to play short, Willie Castro at second, Lugo, someone. Because Scope's not going to be here next year. Romine's not going to be here next year. Crone's not going to be here next year. And neither is Mabin. So we can keep just waiting and like, oh, yeah, like next year's the year that we'll give Demerit like half the starts in right field and let him swing a bat. Because like the guys go like 0 for 4 and they get sent down or you don't see him for a week. That's my, that's my problem. I'm just watching a Tigers game, and who's playing third base today? Willie Castro. Hey, Willie Castro, throw it to home plate, you moron. Sorry. I'm watching mid Spencer Turnbull not having a good outing. I hope my cause that you just said that. No, no. I I get what you're saying, Ravs. Ravs, I get what you're saying, but you just cannot – you actually can't put out a baseball team that just has, like, maybe, like, three MLB players, and you're just trying guys out. No one's ever going to do that. So I think that's a ridiculous ask to ask, like, their whole organization, like, let's just play guys who, sh- who are usually in AAA right now. I just think you can't do that. But I, the sentiment is right. You want to play your young guys, and I think they have. I really do think they have. And now it's all about let's just get all this young pitching up this year. If they're going to be bad, if they're going to lose, like, 35 games in a row, who knows if they can't get out of the first inning against any teams in Major League Baseball, 2 to nothing again in the first inning. Sorry, I'm really worked up about that play by Willie Castro. Horrific play by Willie Castro. Candelaria should be at third. That's a double play every time if Candy's at third. But, uh, like, Jonathan Storff's a good baseball player. Like, they didn't pay him a lot of money. I would get it if they're paying these guys a lot. Like, Zimmerman, like, that's a bad – like, he's not on a bad contract. Crone's not on a bad contract. And like you said, like, they're just there for a year, a year and a half. They're good experience, like, to help with young guys. You can't just be, like, be hor- – like, just losing every game is not going to make your franchise better. Like, it, it, it's just not. It, it You need some sort of winning no, I, team. I understand. I just I, – as Turnbull is continuing to get lit here as I'm watching it live. I, I understand. I just my, – my thing is I look at third base every day, and as we said, they got – you hear all these names that are, like, these are middle infield, the third base guys – and when you're when you're so dead set on playing Nico Goodrum at short every day and Scope at second, which again you're paying the guy and Scope's been actually like factually good this year, it's just frustrating. Willie Castro should be at second base today, and Condelario at third, and Paredes at short. That's all I got. But I know we do have two other big names to talk about, and I'm sorry that I completely went off the rails there. Um, Tariq Scooball, Tarek, whatever his name is, Scooball, he made his debut on Tuesday. Two innings pitched, seven hits, four in runs, one walk, and one strikeout. Um, I actually, I, I was, I don't want to say impressed like he blew me away, but as you said, Collins, the guy, the guy can throw the hell out of the ball. He's got a pretty darn good slider. Um, I, I just, my, my only thing is, and I, I'm a big like, look, the pitch counts. I get it, but you know, to hear like during the broadcast that. Yeah, Scooball's on like a, a two-inning, you know, pitch cap here. To me, I look at that and go, 
why why is this guy making his debut when he's only allowed to pitch two innings? I yeah, get he had COVID. I get he had COVID, and they're trying to work these guys back because because Scooball, what I also learned too during the broadcast on Tuesday, did not participate in any of the summer training camp because of COVID. Why? Why is this guy coming in to make his major league debut when he gets told before the game, hey, man, good luck out there, but just so you know, you're only throwing like 30 to 40 pitches today and you got like two innings max. Like that's so ridiculous to me. What's the point? What is, what is the point of that? I, I completely agree with you. It doesn't make much sense. Like it's not like with the Norris and Fulmer thing. Like just don't pitch at – like, I kind of get Fulmer, you're trying to mix him in. Like, he's too big of an arm and too big of a piece. And with his injury, not to get him out against major league competition. But, like, what, like, what is the point for having a three-run, three-inning, like, limit? Like, what's the point? Like, you're never going to be able to get in a rhythm or get, like, stretch this guy out. I don't really get why they brought Scooble up if he wasn't ready, and he clearly wasn't ready because he got rocked by the White Sox, who were probably one of the best lineups in baseball. No secret. I mean, they they kill the ball, but I mean, you saw what you needed this kind of see. You're like, oh, I like, I see why people are very high on this guy. Yes. Like he, you, and that's all you really. Need. It wasn't like Mize. It wasn't like Mize, which I'm going to talk about. But yes, you saw. You're like, oh, he's unlike Mize, where you saw results. Scooball, you're like, I can see it. Like I can see it. He's young. Throws hard from the left. He's a southpaw. Like great composure too on the mound. I don't know about that yet. I mean, I, I, I didn't get rattled. He wasn't rattled. So I I don't know. We'll see. And he definitely looks like a guy who could possibly be a part of your future. And I know it's like he pitched yes. like two innings. But like when you see the mechanics, when you see the stuff, you're like, if he could like iron some of this stuff out, you can see it. So that that was a positive. It wasn't like they were throwing out, like, when they used to be like, oh, Drew Smiley's the best, like, prospect in the organization. Where it's like, oh, he could be, like, a nice, like, four guy who would give up, like, four runs every five innings. Like, know what I mean? Like, you were like, oh, this guy could be a good major league pitcher, like, if he puts it together. I don't know if he's going to put it together, but he's got the stuff where you could be like, oh, this guy could be not top, maybe, like, your two or three guy in the rotation on a good rotation. Yeah, yeah. My, I also, oh, go ahead, Trent. Sorry. Well, I just, that. I only have, I have one quick comment on Scooble. Like as I was watching, there was one flashpoint moment for me, and it was in the first inning. I believe his pitch count was at about 15, no outs, runners on first and second. Like it's, it's a disaster in the making, but it's his debut, so you're, wa- you're, you're waiting to see what happens. He's got, I believe it was Jimenez in a one-two count. Uh, throws a, throws a beautiful third strike, and I think it was like the top right corner of the zone. Didn't get called, so. Uh, and then the very next pitch, you know, he, he, got, he got a ground ball into a double play. Like, that's just the kind of stuff, like you said, Rabs, just composure. I think that's something you can sort of look at. Like, I, I definitely think, you know, he's confident. And that's the kind of stuff that we saw, you know, Rick Porcello. That was his bread and butter. And if Scooble could be anything close to, you know, like Porcello, like a third guy in your rotation, that, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty exceptional. Like, that's definitely something you can build on in the future. Yeah, again, in, in two innings of work, and I still, you know, hearing what I did during the game, I hate to beat the dead horse, but if you're telling me the guy had COVID and he didn't participate in the summer training, that's like, it just, to me, it's just like so disrespectful. Like, hey, man, 
welcome to the show. You're going to get two innings. Your family's going to all get together and fly out to Chicago to watch you. And like, that's it. That's just pathetic to me. I will say the one bright point of that game. And I, maybe this is, is Collins likes to grill me for it goes beyond baseball. My love for Daniel Norris, four innings pitched, two hits, two earned runs, one walk and four strikeouts. Good. You got to let the guy start. And I know Collins, Collins completely pulled my pants down last week of tell of, confirming that he actually has been allowed to start in the past. I just think in this type of season, you know, Boyd hasn't been on, Turnbull's been fine, Fulmer's been fine. Uh, Daniel Norris, when I, I talked about last week, when he was interviewed before that whole game where, like, the whole headline was, it's a Fulmer slash Norris start because each guy's only allowed to throw, like, 12 pitches, then they're out. I, I'd like to see Norris get a chance to start. I think he deserves to have the ball. He's, he's clearly – he he got his fastball back to the mid nineties when he was when he was pitching the other day, which you love to see. Again, that's a guy that's been every you know every injury. The guy had cancer, COVID, under the sun, and he's still battling. I love the way he plays. He's an athletic pitcher. He can jump off the mound and field for you as well. I'd like to see the guy get a start here soon. I, you're gonna have to use him if Nova's still hurt. Zimmerman's not gonna pitch this year. It seems like so. That's my thing. I was very impressed with Daniel Norris. I think that's another guy who are, everyone's leash is very short on him. Patience running thin. Um, so that would be that would be my Christmas wish this year is to see Daniel Norris start some more games. Even though I know in the past he hasn't been as successful, why not? So last thing here on Tigers before we move on. Of course, Wednesday all eyes were on Mize on Wednesday. I was thinking about that all day. I couldn't wait to say it. Five uh, three loss there. Four four point one innings pitch for Casey Mize. Seven hits three earned runs, no walks, and seven strikeouts. Um, little little known fact, too, the opposing pitcher, that Dane Dunning guy or whatever, literally had the exact same stat line. 4.1, seven hits, three earned runs, no walks, seven strikeouts. So kind of cool. That's from the Rabinowitz Sports Bureau. How are you? Um, you guys have, have mentioned it. I know we've been itching to talk about this kid. The kid's good. I mean, every at-bat, it seemed like he was ahead 0-2, 1-2. And that's one thing that I see on the other side of the ball. The Tigers, hitting-wise, always seem to be down 0-2, 1-2, and they're just pressing and trying to get out of a hole there. When, when you're when you're up 0-2, 1-2, like Mize constantly gets himself, that sinker, as Colin said, is just absolutely nasty. And the reason why I love that he throws the sinker is because when you think about the mechanics of hitting, a lot of these guys throw these sliders. And if you're a guy like Scooball, who's actually got a power arm and can throw that power slider for you, it, it, it can work. But the slider, obviously the way that it rotates, a lot of times stays on plane with the bat as it enters the zone. So that's why a lot of times you'll see guys, if they leave a slider up or they hang a slider, they can get taken deep. You know, Soto's a guy that's been guilty of getting lit up the last couple of games because he's, he hasn't been able to locate pitches as well as he has been. The sinker just falls off the table, and it's a pitch that misses bats with that he misses bats with, and you really can't do anything with it besides drive it into the ground. So the first couple times he tried to throw it, they were just they they hit the the dirt like ten feet before the play because I'm sure he was amped up. But the sinker looks great. I think that it's such an asset for him as a, as a pitcher. And I, I think everything that you saw out of him, I get that he let up seven hits, but it was all exciting. Didn't have great defense behind him. I feel like Tigers outfielders literally never come up throwing balls anywhere, like, at all. Like, every, every ball is just like a nonchalant, like, fly out or let's just scoop it up and throw it to second base. That I can't stand either. Um, but Mize was great. I think he was worth the price of admission when you watched him. And, you know, hopefully he continues to pitch well on that. I think he, he showed you that he deserves to, to pitch. And I'm glad they actually threw the kid like four innings. And I'm sure they would have given him more if he wasn't getting runners on base. But 
looked good. Yeah, he certainly did. And is it a splitter or a sinker? I don't get what the difference is. I honestly don't. They're, I think they have sort of the same effect. But that that's was a white belt. Was I saying splitter? I think it is a splitter. That's what it, he, it was called on the broadcast. It could, could be, be a, it could be a, it could be a split finger fastball. I I, I think that's probably uh, maybe uh, I. It looks. Like I don't know, but finger. it's a it's a wipeout pitch. He has good command. I like the way it. Like you said, which I liked his composure a lot on the mound. You can just tell, like he he's confident in his stuff. He's not afraid to like. There's guys who are afraid to throw strikes. He's not afraid to throw strikes. Like he hits the zone. He, he like he's not movement on his fastball too. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, flying colors, everything you like, he's good. And, and it's about him staying healthy now, honestly. And the Tigers grooming him in the way they should giving him every opportunity to grow without burning him out until like everyone's kind of given the nationals a lot of flat for how they handled Strasburg in the beginning. It kind of worked out like guy won world series MVP he has nasty stuff, and he's still like a wipeout pitcher today. And I know – I think he's had his injury problems still. But, like, just keep this guy healthy somehow and figure out a way to get him into the rotation on a long-term basis. Like, don't screw around with him. Keep him in there now. Let him work through his problems. Does every start not to be as good as this one? Yeah, that's true. I think the, the key is you just got to be patient with him. You guys pretty much nailed it. Uh, it's very encouraging, obviously, that his first start was exceptional. Uh, Raps, how many strikeouts? Seven. Seven. That's great. And he's, <clears throat> he's your best pitching prospect, obviously, your best prospect, period, in the organization. So, um, I don't know. You guys nailed all the mechanic stuff. But I, I'm, just, I'm excited to watch him pitch again next week. Yeah, I mean, like I like we said, you know, I just think it's a, it's a matter of I understand Collins to your point earlier. You can't just throw a bunch of twenty year olds out there and say go have fun. Um, but I, look, I I don't think I don't want to come off as being like I think Gardy's done a poor job at letting guys get time because he has. To me, it's just I, I, there needs to eventually be some type of consistency with the lineup, and I think you know your guys that have have been around for a bit that that are on their last legs here with the organization. I, I, I just like to see them get at bats. You know, I feel bad for a guy like DeWell Lugo, who, you know, I, I think hasn't been terrible at the plate and he's not all that bad defensively, but when you're, you know, you're giving all your reps to second base to Jonathan Scope, who literally plays every day. And again, he's earned a spot there because he's one of your best hitters on the team. Um, it's just tough, but Hey, uh, exciting things in the city of Detroit, at least when it comes to the Tigers, they're down through nothing right now to the White Sox as we're recording this. So, who knows, man? Then they see the Indians next, and God knows they won't be able to squeak a game there. So, whatever. Um, but to move on here and to keep the ball rolling, I know we've been going for a while today. Trent, it is your time to shine. We have Trent. I finally – look, I'm finally at terms with calling a Trent's trifecta. Are you happy? Yes, I am. That's what it is. Trent's trifecta, you're on the clock. I hope that you have some hard-hitting questions for us today. And that's all yours, my friend. Yes, I do. Um, first song, what or first question, what is the most underrated hype song in sports? Underrated. I'm not talking Ooh. like the classic, like, you know, Zombie Nation rock and all that stuff. What what's your what's your most underrated hype song? Uh what do you so it's not it's not like walk up song, is it? Just whatever. Yeah, I guess it could be a walk up song. 
just anything that that's going to get you excited and get you pumped but it's not like mainstream you feel me like no welcome to the jungle by guns and roses hate that song by the way that song stinks that's just not true um <laughs> uh let me think that's a tough one under the radar i mean that i think that's the best part about stadium jams and stuff like that is that they're not uh, like under they're not like under the radar like oh i i just know this song i like when it's just like Oh, a little We Will Rock You, like, after, like, a couple Ks from our, like, our closer. Like, I love that. I'm like, that's what I think makes stadium jams and, like, pump-up songs the best because, like, they're so notable. Yeah, that's that, that's true. But that is why this is a hard question. I don't and know. One thing about this segment is you guys don't prep for it, so it's kind of, you know, it's off a dome. Rams, you got anything? This is tough. You know what I love, dude? I love the charge. Like, the charge chant. That's yeah, but like the build up and you get like the little trumpet or the bugle, like that that's charge. Hell's Bells is a good one. I know that's like Hell's Bells might be like kind of mainstream, but when I'm thinking of like when you hear Hell's Bells going and it's like I don't know, you got like a three two count, like after a mound visit and like that's playing in the background, you're like, all right, like here we go. And that's a tough question. That's a very tough question. I just love charge. I don't know why. Like the build up. Everyone yeah. clapping. This is uh, everyone who's been to a game at Michigan State the last like fifteen years because they have the same playlist. Uh, when they, like their kickoff, or I don't know what the song is, but it goes, "Are you ready?" And I get yeah, so yeah. pumped up every time they've had yeah. it the last like fifteen years. And I guess we, I, I think the mass majority of people like do not like our Spartan Stadium just like plays the same songs every week. I do because I think it's funny. But that, this is how we do it by Montel Jordan. I love that song. That's a when they play that like after like a big play, like it's like right at it's like during a commercial break, and your team scores a touchdown. It's like this is how we do it, and everyone's just kind of feeling it in the stands. I love that song. Okay, to wrap this up, I will give our audience and you guys two song recommendations. Go listen to them if you haven't. Number one, For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica. Yeah, it's legendary. Legendary. Number two, Wild Side by Motley Crue. Both exceptional pump-up songs, very heavy guitar, a lot of drums. It's just great stuff. It's like a football thing, though, I feel like. It's not really like a basketball, like a baseball. It's definitely a football thing. It's like, I'm going to go take a head off. But whatever. Um, Question number two. If you could pick one 06 Tiger to join the current team, who would it be? Here's the explanation. Here, I have to give a couple caveats. You okay. get them, you get them as they are in that moment. It's like you, you don't, you can't say, for example, you can't be like Justin Verlander because he's like MVP. No, he's 06 Justin Verlander. He's still very good, but he's like, you know, that that's as good as he's gonna get. So, wh- who would you pick and why? If we're just doing best player, I would say classic phone goes off when I'm doing this, but uh, Mad Leo. For sure, because I think he was the best player on that team. Uh, I I I truly believe that. But if we're doing it like if, if we're doing it like a fun version, sorry, uh, I think I, my family is one of the ten people in America who still has a landline. We've got one. But uh, if we're just doing it fun wise, like a guy I kind of want in the locker room, Nate Robinson. I will never forget Nate Robinson's little Oakleys. And the big lead shoe, Nate, Lo- Nate Robinson was electric. So, how about him? All right. Rams? That's a good question. I would actually say – I, I, I Was know Matt Curtis, the best player? I think he um, was, right? 
I mean, yeah, I mean, like, him, like and Pudge, him, Pudge, and Guillen were, like, batting-wise, I would say. I mean, like, oh, Polanco no, was on I that team, back, too. I tell you back. Carlos Guillen. Carlos Guillen was my favorite baseball player for about, like, four years. Carlos Guillen. That guy was the man. I don't know. I would say I would say Grandy, and the reason being is because he was probably, like, mid-20s, I would say, around 2006. And, like, not that, not that he was ever, like, a tremendous, tremendous hitter, but I think he was serviceable enough, and I just – Dude, I love the way he played in center field, and I, and I think that's a guy that was a natural leader. I don't care how young he was, and if you're going to put a guy on the team now to kind of like – that's a guy – 2006 Curtis Granderson's a guy that I would be excited to watch every single day. I'd turn the TV on for him. Agreed. Um, somewhat surprisingly, surprisingly, we're all going to have different answers here because I'm going Pudge Rodriguez simply because we, we've talked about the Tiger struggles at catcher. Yeah, but it would – how fun would that be, that Pudge yeah, playing Pudge was, right Pudge now? Was sick. Yeah, this is most see that like ten year old baseball like the guy doing a like impression of that go viral. The most ten year old like baseball coaches, whoever's catching is that you see Pudge Rodriguez. He chucks it bat to the mound, throw it with a purpose bat to the pitcher. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, is that it? Are we good? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Question. Question three: If you could be a guest on any sports talk show, what would it be and why? Uh, for sure, Valeni. Oh yeah, I'd say I'd say Valeni, or like if we're gonna go podcast route, I'd say like part of my take or spitting chicklets. No, it, it's it's Valeni, or or like mm, Valeni because I just would want to yell at him. Like I love Mike Valeni, and I I get call me a moron. I would like get I get very embarrassed. I would no. He would put me in a pretzel. He's one of those people like. You can never, like, say – he seems like one of those people, like, you say one thing, he's just going to say the opposite just to piss you off. Yeah. Which is why he's so good at his job. But, like, I would just – I would love to get into, like, Lions then with him because I, I think it would be funny oh. to start yelling at him, screaming. Yeah. Other than that, Stephen A, because, like, Stephen A does – I mean, I, I don't listen to Stephen A radio. I don't listen – I don't watch First Take. But all the Twitter clips and all the things about Stephen A are just so funny. I would love to just hang out with Stephen A and hear what he has to say about sports and lifestyle. Makes me laugh. Yeah, by the way, my Tiger, Greg Soto, getting rocked right now, but that's okay. Um, my, is he in right now? No, he's not in. That was last night. That was oh, last sorry. night. I just saw yeah, I he saw, got rocked last night. last two times he's been bad. but Yeah, so basically since I pumped up his tires, he's been uh, pretty bad. But, he had um, a rough week. Okay, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking because I knew that it was still really early in terms of okay. whatever, whatever. Um, okay, my answer to this question is um, obviously I would love to go head-to-head with Skip Bayless about Michael yeah. James. I am convinced there's no bigger, more delusional LeBron James fan than myself. However, I am somewhat subjective or objective, objective. And I feel like no one who – like Shannon Sharp is not objective when talking about LeBron James, you know what I mean? Like Skip doesn't ever get any like – like, oh, yeah, I agree with you. But, you know, it's always just like, no, 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 no. And I think that's what drives him to be so uh, such a hater. So I think it would be fun to take him on head-to-head. That would be a fun fun little time. But, you know, obviously part of my take would be very fun as well. Dude, Cam Maven looks great in the number four. He just looks fantastic. I got a shirt. Got a shirtsy. Good shirtsy. Good is he shirtsy. wearing the high socks today? Because Cam Maven high socks is the best-looking sports. No, but – no, I don't think he is. But he's got flavor. I love Cam Maven. He does have flavor. He's got great style, great mojo when he's out there. 
Right. Well, that concludes the trifecta. Just there you, you know, go. Good, good trifecta this week. Good trifecta this week, Trent. I'm starting to come around to the name. Thank you. Thank so you. Okay. Name. Last thing to do on the show today before we can sign off here on the Motown Rundown. You guys can enjoy your Thursdays. Um, our dumb sports radio segment that everyone loves. This one is taken from the desk of Carson Anderson at 97 won the ticket. Shout out those guys. They put on a pretty good show too. I love I Gator. Just, love I hate Gator. to just steal things that other people do, but um, they put this out at the start of Lions training camp, which is going on right now in Allen Park. I thought it was a great, uh, great segment. Typical. Again, this is the part. This is the point of our segment. Classic sports radio segment. You get people calling in from Waterford all day long. Yeah. Uh, Lions training camp fill in the blank. I have one, two, three, four, five categories here um, regarding Lions players and their training camp that we can run through and give um, our one player that fits the mold here. Um, so let's kick it off with uh, camp sensation for the Lions this year. As far as a guy that you think is going to absolutely light up training camp, my guy who I've already been reading a bunch of stuff on and how people are very excited about how he's going to be using the offense this year, DeAndre Swift. Uh, you know, I go back to when he was drafted. Uh, I, I think people kind of were definitely on board with getting a running back in some capacity, but I don't know if people really anticipated DeAndre Swift being there or being an option, and they took him. And I think that the sky's the limit for this kid. I'm excited to see how they use him in the offense. But I just think that this guy's got such an athletic build. He's an absolute horse. And if you look at what he did in Georgia, uh, pretty exciting stuff. And there's already some, some great reports come out of camp about how they're going to use him. Um, so I think that that's a guy come the end of training camp. People are going to be really excited to watch week one. Uh, my guy is Jonah Jackson. I don't know if you guys have read anything about him. Sure. He's already getting reps. The right guard at uh, – from Ohio State, the Lions traded up for him in the third round. Uh, he's the only rookie, only rookie getting reps with the ones right now. And, you know, that to me is just a big deal because we all, you know, harp on how important it is to keep Stafford healthy. So I just think that that, you know, the, the fact that Lions even traded up for him back when the draft happened, you know, that showed you that they really wanted this guy. And, um, you know, him running with the ones even further, you know, solidifies that. So I just hope he's able to keep it up. But, you know, everything I've read so far, he's already showing more promise than, like, a guy like Lakin Tomlinson ever did or Gosder Cherilis or any of those other guys that you picked Oster up. Gosder Cherilis. Well, <clears throat> whatever, yeah. That's a great um, name. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about yeah, him. Yeah, last of the past. But Jonah Jackson's my guy. I hope he keeps it up because, you know, obviously we let Glasgow go for whatever reason, and now you bring in this guy. And if he's able to plug and play, uh, that would be pretty awesome. Uh, I'm going to go with Swift. Eh, no, I'll spice it up. Quintus Cephas. I knew that was coming. Ooh. That's my That's guy. I like him, and he's a classic camp guy where you have a couple like, oh, I worked out with him in the offseason. Like, I, Marvin Jones was pumping his tires about that, like how they worked out in the offseason together, and he looked really good. He's had all the physical tools, and he's going to help them immediately. And, and he's still a position guy, honestly. When you first get him and first get to see him, it's exciting. So I'm excited to see Quintus Cephas. All right, next category here, the uh, please don't get hurt. Uh, I said, obviously, Stafford. Like, Stafford not being able to play week one would be absolutely tumultuous. Um, yeah, let, my let's guy, take him off the ballot. Let's take him yes, off the ballot. Off the ballot. I would say my guy, my guy is Hawkinson, and I say that because I read something the other day about how Hawkinson himself said his ankle is still not 100%, which I'm thinking, like, dude, how long do you need for your ankle to be 100%? 
But if this guy's not healthy this year, you're going to hear all the guys, well, it's a bad pick, he's a boss, this and that. So for the sake of my sanity, I'm not having to fight people on Twitter, I would like Hawkinson to stay healthy because he'd be a well, huge I, asset. Okay, he could be a huge asset, and I'm not disagreeing that I don't think – if he stays healthy, I think he'll be a productive player. Can we, can we just come to a consensus and say that was a reach? I just want – I want to hear it out of your mouth. That that I was not never after, that, after year one. After ask me after the season. Ask me through week week eight. It this doesn't season, matter. It it doesn't matter what he gives you. It'll never be enough for where they picked him. Ever. Collins. Everyone knew he was going top ten. That's what I don't understand. Like you knew that too. Everyone knew that he was maybe going to go top five. That's because people are stupid. You're a draft a tight end top five. I'm not saying I agree with it. Sorry. But you, I'm just, you, every I, I, time I, we mention Hawkinson, you talk about how he's not mad. worth a mad. top 10 pick. He, he had mad. good games. He had flashes. He was a rookie. Let's see how he does this year. I, 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 okay. I, I, I'm not rooting against TJ Hawkinson, and I do think he's a good player. And I, like, you could see, like, week one, you saw it. Like, when he's healthy yeah. and right, he's a good player. And I'm not going to argue about the draft pick. Then we'll revisit that after this season. But I think that's a good pick. And if his ankles bothering him now, that's a little concerning. I don't like to hear that. Yep. Yeah. So, I, I mean, because, I mean, any foot or, like, lead or nagging thing with, the, like, the feet, I don't like that at all. So, especially with a bigger guy, that I mean, let's just hope that doesn't continue. Um, guy, I don't want to get hurt. Mm, Jared Davis. So, uh, how about that? Because he got hurt at the end of the preseason last year. And it kind of, like, excused the fact that he was horrible last year. <laughs> no, I'm talking about, like, yeah, everyone was like, oh, yeah. he, he's better than what we had. Like, whatever. Like, I, I, I want to get a fair assessment of, like, Jared Davis. And, like, I think this is his final year with the team, unless, unless he completely picks it up. So I, I hope Jared Davis doesn't get hurt so people can realize he's either really bad or he's really good. Um, you know, I had Hawkinson as well, but I'll toss out another name, I, Trey Flowers. And the reason I'm going to say this is because Trey Flowers kind of got off to a slow start last season, if you guys remember. He picked it up around the Green Bay game when everything went to hell, obviously. But this dude, I mean, this is literally – this is your big bucks guy that you brought in to, to, to be – what this defense is trying to do. Like he's the, he's the centerpiece. He's like, the, he's, he's your guy. He's your, your first expatriate you brought in here. And like, you know, a guy who works with Matt Patricia in the past, whatever. And he's very good. So it, that, that to me is just kind of a, if this defense sucks this year, it will probably be because Trey Flowers was hurt. That's just, that's how I, that's how I see it. I don't know. I think the, the moves the Lions have made to bolster the depth on defense have been fantastic. They have like, nine linebackers on the roster right now. Obviously, they won't all make the team. But you get what I'm saying. I think Trey Flowers is the best player on defense now that Slay is gone, and, and you're really going to have to look at him to, like, carry that load. I, yeah, that's not a bad pick because Flow his whole excuse was Flowers was hurt all year. Shoulder, yeah, yeah, like his shoulder yeah. and elbow, whatever it was. He had that huge yeah. brace on. But, yeah, so I, I don't want him to get hurt at all. Honorable mention, carry on Johnson. I'll throw that in there. I thought about him oh, too. That's, yeah, that's probably – yeah, that's kind of bad that none of us said that. <laughs> He's probably <laughs> number one. He's probably the that's, obvious number yeah, one. Yeah, I would say that's probably the number one. Um, all right, next category, don't forget about. Uh, for me, I was kind of torn between a couple guys with this one. 
I'm going with Julian Aquara because, again, you look back at the draft, and as a guy that we said on when they drafted him, uh, apparently had looks at, at being first-round potential but was a bit banged up. I can just, I don't know why. I just picture when I lay my head to sleep at night, I just have these dreams of Julian Aquara blowing something up in the backfield, and I love it. So I, I, I would hope to see that he gets some, some positive uh, some buzz out of training camp. I could see him being a guy that gets some considerable time on the DN. Um, well, that's my guy. I just I, I thought about it. I was like, hey, remember Julian Aquara? We have him now too. So that's that's fun. That's my guy. Uh yeah. I don't I don't hate that. I I'm I'm like very like baseball is so weird thinking about it and that we're talking about it. Have you guys been watching Hard Knocks? No. I watched the first episode. It was extremely depressing. Yes. So that's well, what I'm saying. Like, getting it, tested for COVID all episode long. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a weird vibe now. So when we're talking about it, I'm sorry this is kind of a tangent, but it's just like it's so like I doesn't football feel so far removed? Like I I can't even like like think it's happening, and that's like it's happening in a month, right? Yep, September so, maybe. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know why I brought that up, but I would say uh, Tracy Walker. I think he's probably your best player on the back end. And I don't think he gets enough shine. I just I thought he had a really good year. He was banged up. Ever since he switched to 21, he's been my guy. So, Tracy Walker. Uh, there were two guys that came to mind for me. Deshaun Hand is one of them. Obviously, he only played like three games last year. He's got to stay healthy. That's another one who's got to stay that, healthy. That yeah. is another one. But, you know, he's a guy every time he plays, he's great. So, I just hope that he – you know, I don't want people to forget about him. But my real answer to this this question is Bo Scarborough. I'll get into the running back situation a little bit later, but this this is a guy – I mean, you look at, like, the running backs the Lions have. They just signed Jonathan Williams. Um, but you also have – you obviously have Carrion, Swift, Bo Scarborough, Ty Johnson, and Jason Huntley, the fifth-round pick from this last year. Bo Scarborough is the only guy on that list who's like a gasher, like, like you know, running up the middle, like Joy Bell-type dude. So I just I, – I don't want to forget about him. Especially what about Joy Bell's a comparison? That's a I, oh, we got to throw, <laughs> throw Joy Bell in like every show, every now and then. But one more quick thing on, on Bo Scarborough. You add in the fact that Daryl Bevel, you know, worked a lot with Marshawn Lynch. Those were his best years. And I just think, you know, I'm not saying Bo Scarborough is going to be the feature back by any means because he's not. But just being able to have that, like a, a guy who, you know, a moose who runs like a deer, that type of thing. He's just going to run up the middle and blow somebody up as opposed to, you know, Swift, Swift's carries are all going to be outside, you know. So it's just one of those things where I think you can't forget about him because he spices up your offense a little bit. Ball bro. Next category, got two more for you guys. I've seen enough of. And this is, this is a really tough one for me. And my knee jerk that came to my mind was Taylor Decker. I think when Taylor Decker's on, he's he's pretty damn good. I know the offensive line wasn't horrible last year statistically, it sure it always feels like they could be a lot better. Um, but for me, I would say a guy that I've seen enough of as far as I think I know what he brings to the table. And if he can't do it 100% of the time, I don't need to see him anymore. Um, that's Taylor Decker for me. This was a hard one. I, I know the easy one is probably Jared Davis. And I we all know, like, look, if the guy can't play this year, that he's not going to be a lion next year. So this was definitely tough for me. I just think uh, Taylor Decker to me is – I don't know. That's the guy. I know what he's got. When he's on, he's on. When he's not, he is certainly not on, and you need him to be good this year. So that's what I got. I misheard that. Can you say that? What the title is it for it again? I I've, seen, get it. I, I've seen enough of. 
I've seen enough of. Ooh. I think I know where this. Yeah, Jared Davis is probably up there. Um, ugh. this is tough. This is really. Um, this, it makes it sound like the Lions roster is just full chalked with a bunch of studs. I know. You know? I know. <laughs> yeah. Even though there's not, it's just. Um, I. I hate to take the easy way out, but I would probably say um, uh, Taylor Decker. And Jer- Taylor Decker and Jared Davis are such obvious answers. I was trying to find another guy. Yeah. They're just they're – just, uh, I mean, the thing about it, they're both not horrible. No. But they do things that just infuriate you, that make you want to yeah. rip your hair out as a fan. So I'll go with those two collectively. So, Collins, you kind of alluded to this a second ago. Uh, this is a tough question, and it makes it sound like, the, you know, the Lions roster stacks. Which they're not. But... I, no, but there, there's not really – you know, a lot of the guys' snacks would probably be the number one answer, you know, coming into this year. Uh, and, and, you know, he's, he's obviously retired. But um, my, my answer to this, my cop-out, this is so stupid. I won't spend time on it. Chase Daniel, haven't even seen anything from him, but I don't care. I'm <laughs> Stafford. I'm just going to throw Chase Daniel under the bus. So I, I why because I don't know I don't know who else I'm sick of seeing like I like Chris got the conspiracy theory that Chase Daniel's going to be the starter by week eight That'd yeah be unreal so, he's pressing for Stafford's him. job that's where they signed him I've seen enough of him I saw that's enough fair. of him on Thanksgiving in 2018 yeah that was when, tough uh, yeah Woo. when he ripped us to shreds best quarterback in NFL history that day <laughs> uh, okay that was not that you're showing from Stafford <laughs> correct. Um, last category here before we end the show, uh, position group that still needs help. This was tough for me, and I, I, I looked at this from a standpoint of I don't want to go the route of needs help in the sense of they need to bring other guys in. Um, I, I think the, the since I was a kid, I think the secondary is defensive backs has always been a place where they've needed help. And I actually think that I'm pretty confident there without having seen that group on the field this year. I would say the O-line, and I just I, I say that because I know statistically they weren't that bad last year. As I said earlier, they felt like they were a lot worse. I just think, you know, you bring in Big V, you don't have Glasgow anymore. I think Ragnow is an exceptional, exceptional offensive lineman. But I would just like to see – a group that can consistently keep Stafford off the ground. And until I see that and I'm confident in five guys across the line of scrimmage that I know are going to do their job and can get some push up front for the run game. I'll just always say that I think if there's one group that needs to really hunker down and be exceptional, this training camp, it is the offensive line group. That just, that's where my head's at. I know there's, you guys will probably disagree because I don't think that many people think of that as being the group that is like not good. I don't think they're like bad, but I, I don't I, I don't disagree at all because I, I mean I think like you can never have too much help on the O line, especially when you right. have a quarterback like Stafford, and we won't get into all that. My short answer to this would just be I, I think defensive tackle. I think up the middle. Obviously, you know, Snacks, not a big loss in terms of production, but he was getting I mean, he was playing every down, except occasionally, you know, third down he'd come waddling off the field or whatever. I I, I really like Danny Shelton. I think he's gonna be like a big difference maker this year. You're gonna notice him there. But past that, I mean, it's like Kevin Strong and Nick Williams. Those are your guys. Jay Sean Cornell from Ohio State, the guy you hurt. drafted, he got hurt. So I don't know. I don't really know. I should know what the update is on that, but I don't have it. But, like, I don't know. The Lions, 
the Lions run a 3-4, and I know that that, like, adds to it, too. You only have one defensive tackle, technically. And like I said, I think Danny Shelton's going to be really good in that spot. I just worry about the depth there. So I'm going to say that. Uh, position group that needs help. I think it's linebacker. I, actually, no, I take that back. I take that back because I made a big stink about them if they drafted a linebacker this year. I can't go back on my word. I'm going to say safety. Even though I said Tracy Walker, I think people forget about him. The other side of the coin, I, I, is Tracy considered the free, right? The, whoever's at strong safety right now. I think Harmon's the other safety now, isn't it? Yes, but as we've seen in the NFL now, you need more than a couple good cornerbacks and stuff. And I think they have addressed their needs. I just think this year's is not going to be the year. Like, Okuda's in the struggle. Like, he will. The, it, young cornerbacks usually struggle unless they're extraordinary. Like, uh, and I hope he is, but, like, he, I still think he'd be a good and productive player if he struggles this year. So, I don't know. I think the secondary, which is probably a weird answer for a lot of people, see, seeing that they probably have the most talent in that side of the ball. Well, I like that. That's a, that's a little fun thing that we just did. I like that. Thanks, Carson Anderson. That was nice. Like you said, Kyle, I can't believe, like, I, the first uh, NFL game is supposed to be, like, week one of September, right? I think. Yeah, it's coming yeah. right up. And I guess the Chiefs, too, I was reading the Chiefs are supposed to let, like, 22% of fans in, like, capacity at their stadium. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but I'm excited for Lions football. I just think with the timing of everything, I'm so locked in on the Tigers right now that it's kind of hard to see it coming. And, you know, without college football to be like a little taste that you get right before the NFL starts, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I mean, at least it sounds like to me, are the other conferences in college football playing? Like the SEC's playing, correct? I think they all uh, – ACC uh, try and play. I don't think anyone plays. I think they're just going to keep delaying until it's like, oh – at the same time as the big ton. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I mean, the thing that irritated me about that whole thing is when, when you hear them, the big ten say, you know, all the information that they received and made a decision on was the exact same information that those other conferences that haven't canceled it have seen. So to me, it's like what – like it's just a difference of interpretation. And I, I don't want to make I, it like yeah. a like, – it's like, oh, well, you can see where the political lines are drawn. Like, miss me with that stuff. Like, I get it, but whatever – but, you know, it's just, it's just tough to, to see, like, one group of people's like, oh, yeah, this information looks good to me. And other group's like, oh, this is actually really scary. So, who knows? If the Big Ten's not playing college football, I'll obviously still watch any college football I can get. But it's just going to suck. Like, it's going to suck, it's gonna suck to see, like, college game day with, like, Alabama, Auburn, and people are out there in mass or not in mass, whatever. It's going to be a bad look either way, but it's going to suck. But whatever. Well, that's all I got today, unless anyone's got something else to say. Good stuff, guys. That was good. That show felt like it went for five hours, but I love it. Yeah, it was a long one. Yeah, Ramsey, you pick up your brother, right? No, someone's giving him a ride home. Thank God. Good, good, good. When do you guys start class officially? The second. Uh, The second. Collins, are you in EL right now or no? No, I'm going up there tonight. Moving in officially. All right. Let Ryan Collins loose in East Lansing again. One more time, Collins. One last I won't be let you. loose, but I, I'll be sitting on my patio. Just 
in there for about and golfing. That's all. I mean, that's all we basically can do. That's true. I still got to play golf with Ryan Collins. Never happened. Yep. When you're in the yell, we'll play. We'll make it work. I'd like to get my last green and white report in, but I feel like I might be able to do that until I'm like 28 and have children. So yeah. <laughs> in due time. In due time. All right. Well, that's it for us today on the Motown Rundown. Thanks for tuning in. For Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins, I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Submit any questions, comments, or suggest topics for the show at Motown underscore Rundown on Twitter or on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Do not miss a single episode of the show. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. New episodes every week. Thanks for listening. We love you guys. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. We'll see you next time.